0: Of the this is Believe One Podcast. As always, I am your host, James Mestrucci, and today I am joined by Tim Ryder, who covers the Mets for the Apple, host of the Simply Amazing pod. Welcome, Tim. Hey, James. Thanks for having me, man. You know, baseball is about to start. We're all excited, and the Mets are going to be an interesting team to watch this year. I feel there's lots of excitement building around the team. It seems like things are finally getting around that corner that we've been waiting for them to to get past.
1: Yeah. I think Steve Cohen purchasing the team, um, you know, symbolically and, you know, in, 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 in in like, I guess, day to day operations, it's just been night and day compared to the previous ownership. Um, It's, you know, it's a, um, it's a welcome change. I know most Mets fans were still kind of pinching ourselves because it doesn't, it doesn't feel real, but uh, you know, only good things are coming. It just, you know, it, the the um the excitement around the fans is uh you know it's something you haven't really felt in in a very very long time. And there's a lot of reason for excitement. You know they have a really good pitching staff.
0: Their roster seat or their their lineup seems a little bit more filled out than in years past. You know the I guess the one interesting thing to see how they're going to do is how exactly they're going to deploy their outfield. It seems like Conforto, Nemo, Smith is going to be their normal trio of guys out there.
1: Uh, yeah, they're looking – most likely you're probably be looking at Nimo up in, uh, in center field, uh, Conforto in right, and Smith in left. But they also brought in Kevin Pillar, mm-hmm. um, who can play all over. They brought in Albert Almora, uh, who can also fill gaps in the outfield. Uh, you know, Jeff McNeil can even take reps out there. He plays a very capable uh, corner outfield. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've kind of built this roster around versatility, and um, it, it should bode well for them. I think that versatility will
0: play out for them well in the long run uh, considering, you know, they are in the National League and as of now there's still no universal DH and I don't think that's going to happen for this season. Uh, But having that flexibility gives them a little bit more options as they navigate through the game. I think that's important.
1: Most definitely. And you look at a guy like J.D. Davis, whose glove might not be... um, strong suit at third but his offense kind of has to afford him opportunities Mm -hmm. um the mets have a very ground ball i guess free i guess the the frequency of ground balls coming from the mets starting pitching staff is uh you know it's considerable you look at a guy like degrom you look at Carrasco, who, who puts balls on the ground a lot, uh, Stroman, one of the you know highest ground ball rates in baseball over the last few years, uh, you know you kind of need a strong defensive infield, and that's where a guy like Luis Guillorme comes in. Mm-hmm. And, and the Mets have really you know that versatility kind of speaks to their ability to, to match up against anything. Uh, I know the Mets manager Luis uh, Louis Rojas was talking about possibly starting. Uh, Luis Guillorme against Max Scherzer on opening day. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, a very, very, very small sample size. I think he's yeah. like three for six career against him. Yeah. But uh, but it gives, you know, it, it, they have so many different options. And again, just to kind of speak to that, uh, the depth uh, that they build, the capable depth that they build.
0: You brought up Carlos Carrasco. I know he had some injuries coming up. I mean, he's gone through this before where he's had just injuries pop up And he usually bounces back pretty well. Uh, Any concerns from the Mets end on on the health of Cookie?
1: Well, um, you know, I guess the initial, he was dealing with some arm pain. Um, He said it was a combination of just, you know, early camp stuff. He said he deals with it every year. And then his second COVID vaccine shot, he said it kind of gave him a little arm pain. So he was on the shelf um, just for about a week or so, kind of letting that simmer. I think he threw a side session. And then he was running his sprints after his, I think it was 20 pitches or something. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, initially they they listed it as a torn hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, they've since downgraded that to a grade one strain, but he's out probably, well, they, they pegged it around six weeks. Um, Rojas spoke on Thursday, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Rojas spoke on Monday about it. Uh, he said that. You know, Carrasco's throwing, he's progressing well, kind of taking it day by day, week by week. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I know everyone's kind of hoping he gets back in action soon because he's a difference maker.
0: Yeah, he's he's a really good pitcher. I'll always be a fan of Cookies. I'm pretty sure all of Cleveland uh, will always be a fan of Carrasco. Always going to root for him, at least on my end. Uh, I don't know about the fan base. Sometimes people just decide to pick random vendettas. But you know what? He seems to be a really genuinely good guy. Yeah. Um, but with Carrasco out of the the mix for the time being, how does that pitching rotation gonna shape up after Degrom and Stroman?
1: Well, that's actually been a a point of contention all spring for the Mets. Um, Taiwan Walker was brought in, and he's most likely your, I guess, quote unquote, number three on the back end. You have David Peterson, left hander, who performed very well in 2020. Uh, he'd never pitched above Double A before last season. Only 13 starts, double A in total, uh, before making his major league debut. And, you know, he's a former high draft pick, but um, Mm -hmm. raw. You know, very good stuff, but raw. Uh, But you really, he's adapting well. He's adjusting well. I, you know, personally, I I figured that uh, Jordan Yamamoto and Joey Lucchese, who came over from the Padres, Mm -hmm. would fill out those four and five spots. But, But, yeah, the Mets have gone with Peterson and Lucchese. They've started using an opener. Um, they used Jacob Barnes, who came over from, oh, I want to say he was most recently with L.A., but I could be wrong there. I, I uh, can look that up real quick. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But they used on Saturday, I believe, they used uh, Barnes for an inning, and then Lucchese went five, um, only Ronnie Lab was a home run in his fifth inning of work. Uh, he's been terrific this spring. Um, the churve that he throws, which is a curve with a change-up grip. It's, uh, it's baffling hitters. I mean, he, he, I just, I did, did a little digging for the apple on his, like his, uh, mm-hmm. his spin axis and stuff like that. And he really, he mirrors his pitches so well. Um, all about deception. He's not going to blow anybody away. He's maybe topping out at like 93, probably averaging closer to 92 okay. with his, uh, with his fastball. But, um, yeah, you know, there's certainly potential for growth. Um, Jeremy Hefner met pitching coach who used to be in uh, Minnesota, uh, for a number of years, he's also a former uh, major league pitcher himself, mm-hmm. uh very adept at kind of conveying analytical data and, and everyone's kind of just raving about him he you know he had last year to kind of get acclimated but um with the, with the messed up season and you know without the ability to kind of be hands on with everybody all the time uh you know it's slowed development, I guess you could say, but guys are really just taking off everyone's kind of buying in uh you know the Met's really. I don't, I hate to drone on. I'm sorry, but I have a lot to say about the pitching staff. (laughs) Did they, uh, you know, the Mets went out, like I said, they got Yamamoto, Lucchese. Mm -hmm. Um, most of their additions this winter were really focused on like high spin rate guys, Miguel Castro, who came over from Baltimore last season in a trade. Um, you know, he has one of the, I think it's the fifth highest average spin rate on his slider in baseball. Uh, you know, and most people never even heard of this guy. He doesn't. I guess you could say he had control issues, but something sort of like akin to like Edwin Diaz, mm-hmm. where the stuff is just moving so much that it's hard to harness it. But boy, he's had a terrific spring. Diaz had a nice spring. Yeah, now lots of promise, man. Really. Um, but as far as the back end of the rotation, which before I got off track, uh, <laughs> it's probably going to be Walker, Peterson, and Lucchese. Uh, they might move a, an opener in there somewhere, Mm -hmm. but again uh, that taxi squad with, you know, the Mets AAA affiliates in Syracuse, which is just upstate, um, I think you're going to see a lot of shifting and the ability to match up is really going to play into their decision making
0: Yeah, and uh, by the way, looked it up, Jacob Barnes with the Angels last year Uh, Ah, okay Yeah, So, 18 appearances for them 6.5 runs allowed for 9, not sexy but, you know what, I, I think that They'll be able to figure some stuff, stuff out for the Mets and be a, a useful arm for you guys. Um, <clears throat> there is one other pitcher that's not available to start the season. That's Noah um, Yeah, He is expected to join the team a little bit later, still recovering. What's the outlook for him this year? Because I, I know like they're, they're getting to a point where they're going to have to start making a, like a long-term decision about Noah, about what they're going to do with that. Yeah. And so well, how's that all unfolding?
1: Well, um, he's pegged to return around June. They put him on the 60-day IL to start the year. So I believe June 1st would be his first day eligible to come off. Uh, He's been throwing this spring. Um, Reports out of Port St. Lucie have him hitting 97 (laughs) in a bullpen session. So uh, all all signs are good right now. Um, John Heyman of MLB Network reported Mm -hmm. this week that uh the mets and Syndergaard's agents or representation have really just initially started discussing an extension but i guess with uh you know his ability to kind of increase his market value this season coming off an injury it's i guess it's unknown um how far those conversations will get Mm -hmm. and the mets really have a lot on their plate as far as extension talks right now uh I know you want to talk a little bit about that also, but even with like, you know, looking past the two main guys, mm-hmm. uh, Strowman. Strowman's gonna be a free agent at the end of the year. He's, you know, looking like he's gonna be an integral part. So yeah, they have a lot of decisions to make.
0: And you know, looking at Cindergard, it's something I guess not that the the Mets aren't gonna approach this in a intelligent or wise manner, it's just something they have to be very careful with because of his injury history he has i mean he hasn't necessarily been the most healthy pitcher in his entire career he's very impressive and effective when he's available to pitch it's the availability that always seems to be the question mark with him
1: yeah i guess he tore his lateral muscle uh like first week of the season in 2018 i want to say and and that really um you know you want to say it was a freak injury but you know he kind of he did a lot of um, weight training, strength and conditioning and stuff over that off-season. And he believes that he might have done it in a manner that left him, I guess, vulnerable to injury. Yeah. So he's kind of changed that aspect. So I-, I wouldn't count on something like that happening again. But a guy coming off Tommy John, um, yeah, that's a, uh, you know, I guess always a question mark. Everyone mm-hmm. can be safe in their their journey back. And, you know, by all accounts, he's doing a really, really nice job with his rehab. Yeah. Um, you know, he's out there pitching with his shirt off, so that's pretty much regular Noah to everybody. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you have to just, um, I guess, hope for the best. You know, if I'm the Mets and considering his his previous, I guess, output of production, um, yeah, of course they would want to lock him up and, and hopefully get him for, you know, what he's worth right now or maybe a little bit more. Uh, I'm sure if I'm Syndergaard or if I'm his, his agent, you know, let's, let's see where he's at it. Like the, uh, you know, at the all-star break, see if he's right back to where he was and maybe we can reopen that book. But yeah, you know, the Mets have many irons and many fires in that regard. So, uh, it was 2017 for his, uh, lat thing. I just, oh, for his lat, Sorry. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he came back for like a start at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, not that he's. Injury prone or just, it, they're not minor injuries, which I guess is like the, yeah. one, the one thing to, I guess, be concerned with. And it, it's not to the same level of inj- injury frequency, but it sort of reminds me a little bit of Mike Clevenger. Uh, okay. How he frequently seems to get injured and like with major injuries too.
1: Yeah, just kind of bad luck, and it kind of strikes.
0: Yeah, so that's just, I mean, it's not quite the same. Clevenger's obviously had more injuries and more things to deal with in his career. I mean, he's currently not going to pitch this year either. So, um, it just, it just kind of reminded me of him for a second, not to get too off track.
1: <laughs> no, no, I think you, you probably pegged that, and I think that's kind of the same story with... Um... With any pitcher who's Mm -hmm. got a a history of of, of whether it's a history of injuries or just a string of really bad luck where it's one after another. Because, you know, it's all about compensation. A guy might be pitching with a blister. So, oh, you know, let me roll it off this finger. And all of a sudden he feels a little pain in his forearm. And, you know, Mm -hmm. who who knows? And it's just the whole kinetic chain thing. So one more pitcher I'm
0: going to ask you about before we uh, head over to uh, the the batters in the lineup, I guess, sure. one in particular. Uh, the enigma that is Seth Luca, what is the role they're going to use him in? Because it seems like they're
1: never quite sure what they're going to do with him. Well, um, all right. So he he came up as a starter. Uh, he performed well as a starter at times. Um, he's performed much, much better as a reliever. And like Like, you know, one of the top you know top 10 in major leagues is a reliever since like 2018 like he's just he's got incredible stuff he's got incredible spin um all of his breaking pitches are tight his command with his fastballs is really on point he doesn't walk a lot of guys you know he he gets the job done he he's made his wish very known to be a starter and he's also <laughs> he's also said that he's he's very much against the opener aspect in baseball but yeah. um you know um he his his value as a reliever is just so substantial. I can't see the Mets taking him out of that role. Mm-hmm. And they've done a lot to kind of um, reinforce the bullpen. They brought in Trevor May from Minnesota. Um, Mr. 96 on the black, this guy just – he paints corners. It's all he does. It's I'm, really uh, impressive to see. I'm glad he's out of the AL Central now. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine, man. He, he added like um, – I don't know if it's a curveball or just a, a – like kind of like a loose slider, I don't, but it has a lot of bend to it, and he kind of puts it right in their batter's knees, and then it just drops out of the trike zone. So it's mm-hmm. really um, just a, a, a fabulous pitch, but I'm really – I'm looking forward to him. Um, Edwin Diaz, like we were saying, had a real nice spring. You know, you can't really count on Familia or Batantis to an even greater extent, but, yeah, you know, Familia's stuff is still there, um, but he's still walking guys. He walked like seven batters this spring. And that's not ideal. Uh, you know, Batantis, um, if he's not going to be able – you know, he's not going to hit 93 on a regular basis. Hopefully he's at 91, 92, but he's coming out of the gates at like 89, 90. Yeah. And, you know, and he's snapping off that nasty little curveball. He's always had it. But if you're not – you know, if the velocity's not there to kind of throw hitters off and you throw an 89-mile-an-hour fastball and an 86-mile-an-hour curve, I just – you know, it <laughs> – it's you feel that it won't be effective. Yeah, you feel that it will just won't get the job done. But yeah, you know they have um they got room for improvement, but they have capable bodies to kind of fill the gaps, which is a a nice change.
0: And, and looking at their their bullpen, it seems like they have enough depth there that you know maybe guys like Familia or Betances who maybe aren't quite what they used to be, or maybe aren't going to be you know what you hope for you know optimistically they're not going to have to be, like, leaned on as much as they had in the past. So I think that will play into their favor.
1: Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, Aaron Loop is going to come in. He's probably going to be the only left-hander out there. Um, But with the three-batter rule, you know, I guess it doesn't come into play so much. Robert um, He he's apparently won a role. Um, whether it's going to be as a long man or as an opener or as a reliever is yet to be seen. But, you know, his stuff plays. Um, he's just been a little inconsistent, but really, I think leaning on Diaz and May and when Lugo comes back and, you know, the base, the foundation is there, but it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to be a, a, a group effort and, you know, everyone's kind of going to pull their own weight.
0: And, you know, you, you mentioned Loop as as the, like the lone lefty, um, <laughs> Cleveland has their lone lefty, Oliver Perez, still kicking around.
1: Uh, he had a, he had a tough spring, didn't he? Oh, let me pull up.
0: I wasn't really paying attention to his stats. I was just there was a couple things I was tracking this year, and stats weren't one of them, particularly <laughs> for him. Uh, yeah, five five nine ERA, uh, Went below one, so that's good. Uh, but unbelievable. He's just <laughs> a timeless classic. He just he will be here forever. <laughs> not really, I but he's, so. just a,
1: he's just he's just the guy that's just gonna keep chugging along. I hope so, man. I, I every time I see him, it's uh, just uh, you know a, a slice of heaven. It's so cool.
0: <laughs> it's so fun to see that he's still able to be an effective pitcher. <laughs> uh, but let's let's move to the infield uh, before we get to the main topic at hand among this group. Let's start with Pete Alonso. Um, yeah, twenty twenty was not kind to Pete Alonso. Um, didn't quite look like himself and i know we're all hoping for a bounce back i know i'm hoping i know you're hoping where where is he gonna be because he's not as bad as he was last year or he's he's better performing better than what he performed last year but
1: how close does he get back to his rookie year where you know he broke you know the home run record well he's you know he's had a um an outstanding spring. He's making extremely hard contact. I believe I, I have his I have his slash line up in front of me. I had it up before. Hold on. But he is just absolutely tattooing the ball this spring. He's made a conscious effort to stop chasing pitches. Um as of last weekend, he he's been counting. He as of last weekend, he'd only chased nine pitches out of the strike zone all spring, or eight or nine. That was his quote. But um, yeah, Pete. Alright, I actually wrote an article on, for it on the Apple a few weeks ago. I'll try to kind of just summarize that real briefly. Mm. Alright, so in 2019, yeah, of course, he was just on fire. Um, a- anywhere that, the, that pitchers attacked him, in the strike zone. Doesn't matter where it was, it didn't have to be in the middle. Anywhere in the strike zone, he absolutely crushed it. He, he was, uh, you know, I think 95, 95th percentile in barrel rate. Just had an unbelievable season at the plate. But, you know, as Major League pitchers are going to do um they attacked him in his weak spots in 2020 now combine a very strange season um with of course you know a a more advanced book that the league has on him and a more directed attack Mm -hmm. and they they pretty much they went low and outside and low and inside to him and and high outside and really just um they threw him way out of whack. The Mets didn't have their hitting coach, Chili Davis in the dugout last season. Yeah. Uh, he was, I guess, talking with the team via, uh, via zoom and stuff like that, but he wasn't in the dugout. So I know Pete mentioned that as a bit of a, uh, a hurdle to get over, but um, yeah, you know, a- a there were times that he was kind of just up there flailing and um, that's not Pete Alonso, you know, a- and, and the funny thing is he was still making very, very hard, um, hard contact like he was still I believe his average uh here we go 90.7 was was still his average uh 90.2 but his barrel rate dropped like a, a percentage point and a half like you know that's going to happen but um you could explain it again by looking at at the way he was attacked this spring again he's been kind of focusing on his pitches and just absolutely tattooing balls and, and you can see if you look at his at-bats this spring um even where pitchers are trying to drop breaking stuff into his real hot zone, which of course is middle, middle, and middle low, mm-hmm. um, it, you know they're dropping breaking stuff that kind of like what I was just talking about with May's pitch, where they're kind of coming in around his knees and then falling out. He, he's he's got the discipline to lay off now, and, yeah. and it's just it, it's you know it, it, I, I think he's going to have a huge season. I think he's going to be right back to 2019, Pete. I really do. Just mm-hmm. watching him and hearing him talk this spring. Uh, he's ended every press conference he's had this summer with LFGM. That's his last, all right, guys, LFGM, and he, he's off on his way. And, I love it when you, he does you know, that. Oh, just, a, you know, between him and Conforto and, you know, Lindor, this is just, uh, yeah, it's a very deep team with leadership kind of written all over it, and it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting, man. I know we're all
0: hoping for, you know, Alonso to get back to his 2019 form, and I think he can. Um, you know, sometimes that second year you can't really expect while they're going to attack you, and with I mean, like you said, with the weird year not having Chili Davis there, and you know, not being able to look at film in between pitches or between at bats certainly probably played a factor
1: too, um, without a doubt. And so that didn't help. So and then the Mets also had a COVID pause, an unexpected COVID pause, middle of the season. Yeah. Now re- leading up to that pause, Pete was on fire. He was finally coming around. I think that mm-hmm. was early August, and um, after that pause, it took him like a good 10 days to kind of find his rhythm again. And then mm-hmm. he was tied for second in the majors in home runs over the last month. So, you know, it, it's a it's an ongoing kind of cat and mouse game. But uh, yeah, I I I certainly trust Pete's instincts on this one, man. He knows he knows what he has to do to improve, and he's you know this spring at least he's really done it.
0: Yeah, I think if it would have been a full 162 season last year, uh, the, you know, looking into how he was trending, uh, he probably would have been a lot closer to what we expect, or what was expected out of him last year. Um, but the big topic for the Mets, it's extension talks with the one, the only, Francisco Lindor. Um, I see uh, Steve Cohen's back on Twitter. He is. Stephen A. Cohen, too. Yep. Yeah. They, uh, took his, uh, they took his. They took his check mark away. They did take his check mark
1: away, but then what do you think Lindor will accept? Tweet. I found that very bizarre. Oh, he. I think he's just trying to mix it up. Um,
0: I, I know he is, but still, I mean, come on. But does this also pointing towards maybe they already have something done, so we're just playing now? Like this isn't real.
1: Well, I don't know. I. I, I you would have to think that they've got to be you know, let's say they're in field goal range when he when he put that tweet out. He yeah. wouldn't just put that out for no reason. Mm-hmm. So we'll 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 bring a football analogy into it. So let's say they were in field goal range when he when he tweeted that, which was like beginning of the weekend, I think. Mm-hmm. On Saturday night uh, excuse me, Saturday night, him and Lindor went out for uh they went out for dinner in West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. Um Cohen had the ravioli, Lindor had the chicken parm as <laughs> any as any New Yorker would. Um and yeah Believe it or not, Cohen went on Twitter and said the ravioli wasn't good. Oh, I'd hate to be that guy. I hate to be the guy who fucked up ravioli, but hey, uh, um,
0: yeah, yeah, don't mess up the <laughs>
1: richest owners
0: in baseball's
1: ravioli. Come on, right? He's probably got like lobster and lobster ravioli or something fancy. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you have to. And all this news is coming out now, and Lindor made a—he made—he made it very clear that he doesn't want to let this drag into the. Mm-hmm. regular season he said if it didn't get done by opening day he's going to go into free agency and you know you have to respect that but uh you know the Mets gave up two, well two, you know if you want to think about it four really good players mm-hmm. for for Lindor uh and, and Carrasco which somehow he always gets overlooked in this deal I don't understand it but um you know the Mets had to have an extension in mind when they pulled the trigger on this deal and yes um yeah uh, what's it going to take in my mind 320 over 10. I think that that gets it done. That's fair. Mm-hmm. That's the number that's been tossed around. Um, you know, if you jump to 330, just to, cause he's been so freaking good this spring. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with, with like nineties Mets history, but I don't know who remembers Ray Ordonez. Ray Ordonez was probably the best defensive shortstop the Mets have ever had. Mm-hmm. And Lindor in spring training, he's making Ordonez like plays like, like, we don't see that. Forget about the offense. We know yeah. what we're getting with the offense. Um, yeah. Like Reyes was a good a very, very good shortstop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Lindor's like head and shoulders better than Reyes was. This is it, it's it's nuts. Like for a defensive nut like, my, like myself like mm-hmm. myself, it's just so fun to see. Yeah, Lindor will give
0: you tons of incredible defensive plays. Uh I can I can tell you from watching that many times in person. Uh,
1: <laughs> Did but- you happen to at- I'm sorry. Did you happen to see his quotes earlier in, or I guess it was really early in camp this year. Um, he's coming out pretty much staunchly against the shift. He he doesn't think the shift has a place in baseball because he said it. He's like, I can make those plays. Mm-hmm. Like I know. He's like, I have my notes. I have my, I did my homework on all these hitters. I know that. Yeah. Maybe I have to lean to my left. Well, when, when a guy's, putting uh putting the bat on a ball on a curveball or something because i know it's going to be going one way he's like i can make those adjustments everybody should make them make those adjustments and i kind of giggled like everyone's not francis Golden door you know everyone <laughs> can't range 13 feet to their left um dude i think it was saturday mm-hmm. he started six feet on his side of the bag at shortstop, yeah and ranged dude he must have ranged 12 15 feet on the other side of second base to get this ball like mm-hmm. um yeah, so very exciting. Uh, you can hear it in my voice. I'm just, I'm <laughs> giddy.
0: Well, uh, I didn't see those quotes. Uh, unfortunately, most of the quotes from Francisco Lindor,
1: people in Cleveland were paying attention to, were the don't call me Frankie quotes. Yeah, um, which, apparently we don't, that's for his friends or stuff. It's only for his people who know him, I guess. I
0: found it, I people have been calling him, you know, calling Francisco Frankie since he got called up and yeah. never heard once that he didn't like it. Hey, well, you know. I mean, but again, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. It's Just like,
1: say, say something one time. Yeah. Bring it <laughs> say up. something like, once. <laughs> say it once and we're good. Like you know, <laughs> I wish yeah. we would like. Right? You guys wish you would have known. you would have stopped calling him Frankie. Yeah. I mean, do you know how many times I tweeted Frankie in all caps? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. I mean, I'm gonna do the the play by play announcer calls to so say, you know. the the play-by-play announcer calls him Frankie, uh, you know Tom Hamilton, but you yeah. know the TV broadcast does. It's just we did. I mean, we were always just like, okay, you know. That I, I pointed out one day that you know even the even the team's Twitter account called that many many times. <laughs> I, I put together a thread. I was just like, just say something once, but not to get too far off track here. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think. Uh, Francisco Lindor will do well in Queens. I think he'll do well for the Mets. Uh, He just seems like he's really embraced the whole, just like Mets kind of like attitude and vibe they got going on there.
1: Yeah, you know, you could tell coming in that he was like the leader that Mm -hmm. he was um, advertised to be, and you know, even from early on in camp, he's working with J.D. Davis at third base, kind of getting a feel for where he's at and trying to help him along. Um, He's working with Ronnie Mauricio uh, at short. Mm-hmm. kind of giving him tips and you know that's what you love to see off the bat you saw him rocking the coming to America Mets jacket. That was so awesome <laughs> oh my god I, I can't tell you how many Mets fans have that as their avatar on Twitter right now um, <laughs> oh dude it's like one in six I, I bet one in six or one in seven have, have that picture as their uh, uh, heavy.
0: I'm not gonna lie when he posted that picture I'm like where is this and how can I get it <laughs> Right? You, I, I want the coming to
1: America Mets jacket. Come on. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I didn't even care that it was like cross promotion with the movie coming out on Netflix. I yeah. don't even care. That <laughs> was thing so was just cool. so cool looking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So cool. But, yeah, um, you know, and I guess it was maybe it was like late last week. Um, you know, it's just again, it's a spring training game. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. End of the inning. It's like the fourth or fifth or something. And Lindor's out there in front of the dugout after the inning greeting every guy as he comes off the field, giving him, you know, giving him dap, giving him a little smack on the backside. Like, you know, he's fired up. It's the middle of March, Like, right? You know, this is the guy that you want to build around and it's not even like you're building around him. He's just kind of adding to the, to the mix. And it's like the, you know, the most potent ingredient there is. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. The Mets, you know, all signs are pointing to this heading to the, uh, to the goal line. Boom. See, I told you I would finish up with a football match. <laughs> All signs kind of point to it that it's going to happen, but, um, you know, I guess time will tell, but clock is, I I hate to use that cliche, they've been using it all spring, clock is ticking, but now it is, now, you know, there's like 72 hours till opening day.
0: Yeah, there's not much time left, it looks like things are trending uh, in in that direction of a possible extension, Uh, and I hope it gets done, because I can tell you, having to listen about Francisco Lindor extension talks during the season is not fun. (laughs) <laughs> I can I can tell you from experience, uh, it's not fun. And when he says that he doesn't talk during the season, he's not kidding. He does not talk during the season because uh, the they, they tried extending him here multiple times, and he always said the same thing. You know, t- like during like you know Tribe Fest or whatever or whatever little leading up to the season, like. I'm not going to talk about my contract during the season. For get something done, it's going to be done before the season starts. So he is he is, sticks to sticks to his word on that. So if anyone is doubting, I guess that uh, th- be very aware that he is a man of his word when he says he hasn't talked contract during the season.
1: No, I don't think anyone's been. Um... Anyone's gotten that message confused. I think Mm -hmm. everyone took that very. He he made it very, very clear that he's not going to let this go into like. And that was probably his first or second press conference as a Met. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he you know, and you know Michael Conforto, who's kind of in the same boat, and probably you know one B to Lindor's one A as far as on the priority list. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he hasn't given as much of a strict deadline. He's made it clear he'd rather not let this go into the regular season yeah but um you know the Mets have reportedly have engaged both players in extensions and you know that of course now we know they have the money to 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 kind of keep everybody in the fold and that's always a plus Mm -hmm. but um (laughs) you know Conforto is represented by Scott Boris and if Scott Boris you know it's not really his his style as representation to let his players. No, I shouldn't say let his players, but yeah. for his players to um to to not test the market. Mm-hmm. Um of course it's ultimately gonna be Conforto's decision and from, from from what everyone can tell, um, you know, Conforto likes being a member of the Mets. The Mets love having him, the fans love him. Um, it seems like, you know, both all parties kind of want this to get done. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue talking into the season. I, Tim Britton from The Athletic, Mets beat writer for The Athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on my pod ooh, a couple of weeks ago. and He kind of mentioned that, yeah, I would give this to like the middle of April, maybe end of April, just to kind of let this settle and uh, let the Lindor thing settle and see where they go. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I you know, if I'm the Mets, I make every attempt to get him in the fold. But if you know, I wouldn't blame Michael Conforto for testing the waters. In the same regard, though, if I'm the Mets, I have to kind of match any and all bid to bring him back because that's a, a it's a foundational guy. He kind of goes under the under the radar, but mm-hmm. uh, same thing with Brandon Nimmo, who you're gonna have to make the same decision on in a couple of years. There's a uh, yeah, you know, a lot of things on the horizon, but it's all good problems to have. Yes, because I mean. You guys do have a, an owner with a lot of money. Uh, yeah. He can
0: he can afford to, you know, just shell out whatever contract he feels like. And you have players that are worthy of having these conversations about. You're right. not you're not a team, let's say like the pirates. Sorry, pirates, uh, who have like nobody <laughs> worth having these conversations about. So it's it's very it's a very exciting time, I guess, when you're talking about extensions and keeping guys for you know if not the rest of their career, the bulk of their career in town. It's it's really exciting for, you know, you guys as Mets fans.
1: Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you, man. For so long, um, you know, if there was a while that the Mets were trying and then they kind of just, like, they would bring the team, oh, we're going right back to football. They'd bring teams, they'd bring their roster to, like, the 10-yard line mm-hmm. and then just be like, ah, yeah, we're good enough. We're good. And mm-hmm. then we'll hope for the best. And that's what happened in 2015 and 2016 they kind of called lightning in a bottle and then they, they brought Cespedes in and, and, and let that ride. And, um, you know, that wasn't a team that was necessarily built for postseason runs. That mm-hmm. was, you know, they call light lightning in a bottle, <laughs> you know, uh, and that's, you know, it's one thing to, um, to say, Hey, you know, that was a nice, a nice run, but no, that that's not what that team was built for mm-hmm. and not, you know, not having to, Kind of operate under those constraints. It's it, it's been evident so far in the like the capable depth they've they've brought in yeah. as compared to like Eric Campbell as your starting first baseman who shit went wrong a few years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's uh yeah, all good things, all very good
0: things. And, and speaking of postseason runs, this team looks like it's going to be destined for a postseason run uh, if all things go well. Uh, wh- where do you think they're gonna? Uh, I guess finishing the division because a lot of people are picking like the Braves to make a deep run or win the division. What, are, what chance do the Mets have to to win the NL East?
1: Well, all the projections really like them. I know uh, Picota had them winning 95 games and kind of running away with the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, ATC, our buddy Ariel Cohen over at Fangraphs, um, he had the Mets at 93 wins, finishing two games ahead of the Braves. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm more, I am more, I guess, aligned to go with ATC in that regard. I do not think the Braves are going to be also Rams. I think they're going to be right in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very good team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready to count out the Nationals. I think that's a terrific ball club. That's um, a bounce if I back like, team.
0: I've ever seen one right there. Oh, my
1: goodness. Oh, I, And people are counting them out. And, you know, the Phillies, even without capable pitching behind Nola and Wheeler— that's a very, very good roster, and you can kind of make that run. Their bullpen's a little weak as well, but, yeah, uh, you know, in the Marlins. The Marlins had a terrific season last year. I like a lot of those players. They have mm-hmm. a lot of really, really good young guys coming up. Uh, Jazz Chisholm, they named him their second baseman yesterday, Yeah, uh, Sunday. Uh, he's a great little – great player. Um, Monty Harrison, if he makes the ball club out of camp. Lewis Brinson, who they've been waiting on for years. Oh, like, man. that's a – that's a nasty ball club, man. Yeah. That's um. Yeah, they can make waves. It's gonna be a uh, It's gonna be a tight race. I really. I believe that. But um, I, I do think the Mets are kind of. You know, and I try to say it unbiased. Um, I, I would say they're going into things as the favorites just because of the depth. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, I think they're. I think that the favorites in the division they should be at least. Uh, the Braves are an exciting team, uh, as you mentioned. The the Nationals definitely definitely a bounce back team. Adding Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber to that lineup, uh, very, very uh, kind of scary a little bit, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, Schwarber, that's just that that's somebody that could be so dangerous in so many spots. And Mm -hmm. you know, maybe he just needed to change the scenery. Josh Bell, that is a dangerous hitter and i don't know if he just flew under the radar and some fans don't know about him because he's been lost in pittsburgh but that's what it is oh oh my goodness oh i'm i'm not looking forward to 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 seeing him you know he's gonna beat the mets at least you know a half dozen times this year on his own (laughs) you know it's gonna happen he's just a terrific hitter you could pick up Mets killers from a mile away (laughs) he can oh at this point yeah oh you know it like john birdie john birdie for the marlins like he's a young player, a lot of people don't know him, but boy, he's. Really, I think he's had probably two career games against the Mets, and he maybe has a hundred career games under his belt. Yeah, yeah, you can pick these things out after a while. You guys know how it is. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, luckily for <laughs> us, we just we just signed one of the team
0: that one of the guys that routinely killed our team, and Eddie Rosario, and I'm very happy with that move. <laughs>
1: Oh, you have to be. I think he's 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 another guy that's kind of due for a big year. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the Twins. I know your listeners don't want to hear that, but mm-hmm. that's, a ni- that's a nice team.
0: I, the Twins are good. The White Sox are good. Those are the two teams that are going to be the favorites to win the division, even though the White Sox got a big blow dealt to them uh, the other day with uh, Eloy being out for basically the season. Uh,
1: so. Yeah. Imagine he comes back healthy and in September. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a that's just a kick in the gut to whoever's leading the central at that point and if they're in striking distance. It's like oh shit, Eloy's back. So you know what's what's your
0: take on the central? I mean, uh, obviously Cleveland is not the favorite for the you know again, but that that's expected. We traded away Lindor, we traded away Cookie. They didn't really spend <laughs> as much as people wanted them to, but that was the expectation.
1: Yeah. Um, as far as Cleveland, I, I mean. I like what they have. I like what they have, what they got from the Mets a lot. You know, uh, we've talked about Rosario on your show in the past. I'm really a big Rosario fan. Is he going to end up in center field, or is he kind of just a bench player? They're
0: putting him in center with Ben Gamble, it seems like.
1: Let's do it. Dude, we've been saying that for years. Like, all right, come on. Maybe he's not the shortstop everyone had him you know, pegged to be, and mm-hmm. he was supposed to be like the, the, the next, you know, superstar when he was in, in the minors. Um, you know, why don't they give him a shot in center field? And, you know, the idea was publicly tossed around a couple of times, but they never did it. And now he goes into camp with, with Cleveland this spring. And it's like, Oh yeah, we're going to give him reps in center. It's like, boy, he would have been a little more well prepared for this if the Mets would have just given him a couple of shots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, apparently he's done enough to, uh, to, to, to impress, uh, cleveland brass he's gonna get a shake huh
0: yeah uh you know andre semenez just looks so good at shortstop oh he's a stud
1: he's, he's a stud bro.
0: i'm very excited about him i was once when the, when i found you know found out his name was included in the trade i was like yes this is the guy like this is like one of the guys i wanted them to you know get in return from the mets and one of the things that they pointed out before spring training was uh they're placing a premium on defense which basically excluded Ahmed Rosario from the shortstop conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, as you know, Rosario's fine defensively. He's not a strong defensive shortstop. And so once they said defense was a priority, you knew that it was going to be Andres Jimenez's job to win at that point.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's just pristine with the glove. Um, It's funny. Uh, He he had a very tough year with the Mets in double A. Mm-hmm. um he had, he got hit on the hand uh it took a little while to get back to that and then he went to the Arizona Fall League and raped and he was still kind of being overshadowed because you had Mauricio coming up and everyone was kind of excited about him and then he came up last year and everyone's like oh Jimenez and I'm like yeah I fucking told you <laughs> and this kid this kid's a hitter man um I talked to him at it was last winter so this is, of course, before all the trade, before even even COVID. Yeah, and you know this is just such a focused young man. Um, he, he's a you know just a terrific contact hitter. He has power that you just you don't know where it comes from, but he's got it. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, ropes to the wall is kind of his thing, and, and it's um it's you guys are going to be so pleased with him as a player, and he doesn't take plays off, and he hustles, and ah uh, yeah, I'm I'm you know. I'm always one to root for traded Mets. Mm-hmm. The guys who leave, I always keep on rooting for them. Shit, I'm like the biggest Jared Kellenick fan in the world. <laughs> He's never played a game for the Mets. But, uh, yeah, you guys are going to be so, so happy with uh, with Jimenez. And even going down to, like, Isaiah Green and Josh Wolf, mm-hmm. those guys are – I had them very high up on my list. You, think he, you know, if this is going to work out well for Cleveland in the long run, um, you just kind of got to hope they keep their heads above water. They've been such a – competitive team in recent years and you think, you know, you'd have to assume that's not going to be the case this year and and kind of moving forward for a little while. But, uh, and then you look over towards Chicago and what they've kind of put into place. And it's like, oh boy, Uh, even without Eloy, I think Mm -hmm. the White Sox are going to be um, (laughs) just a force. You got Vaughn or, you know, Blake Rutherford coming in, Mm -hmm. you know, however they want to handle it. I think that's probably your favorite in the central.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would probably go White Sox, then Twins, then then Cleveland. Um, I, was, I was more confident about the White Sox winning the division before the Eloy injury. Um, but I, I don't think any of the either one of those teams or even Cleveland is even a, a lock performance-wise. I think there's a very large span of variance we could see with the three clubs. You know, if one of those three underperforms and everyone's probably going to assume it's Cleveland, and that's honestly fair, it wouldn't be surprising.
1: I mean, dude, I wouldn't put it past Detroit to have a very, very strong season. You got a lot of good players. Um, you know, no one's, you don't have your 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 quintessential all-star mm-hmm. on that roster. But yeah, Detroit, that's a, um, you know, let's say they bring up Riley Green yeah. and he, he has a, um, you know, an impact season. Uh-huh. So you got Willie Castro, you know, I'm not going to count on Cabrera. There's not really much you can do at that point in this, in this, you know, in this equation, but if he can contribute, great. But, you know, Victor Reyes is a player. You look yeah. down the line, uh, you know, Nico Goodrum's a player. Mm-hmm. I, you have, um you have guys to kind of lean on. I, I think Terek Skubal is going to be really, really good for the Tigers. Uh, uh, who's the other, uh, Matthew Boyden. There was another pitcher I liked. I'm trying to... Let me pull it up real quick. Oh, Daz Cameron. Is, yes. You know, what's not to like about Daz Cameron? But Matt Manning, I think he could be up and do something. Kyle Funkhauser. Um, boy, all I can think of right now are uh, Heimer Candelario. That's a guy that I like. Heimer Candelario is a is a, a fun player. Gosh darn it. I really... I had a... Pitcher? Isaac Paredes. Yeah,
0: player. it's a pitcher. Casey Mize. Sure. Did you say Casey Mize?
1: Casey Mize, thank you, my friend. Yes, Casey Mize, he's a stud. He's had a little trouble this spring, but uh, yeah, absolute stud. I think Tyler Alexander's going to be a, a a contributor. Good left-hander. Yeah, out of the uh, out of the pen. So I mean, I, I I think Detroit will
0: bounce back a little bit. Uh, the one team that I think a lot of people counted out that I think is going to be even more annoying than they already are to play is the Royals. <laughs> The Royals are yeah. such an annoying team to play,
1: dude. I had no idea that Ryan O'Hearn was in San Diego until like an hour ago. <laughs> I didn't. I, I thought I, dude, I really, I thought he was still in Kansas City. I had no idea he was in San Diego. The Royals are just but, a. They're an interesting franchise.
0: They're a, They're a team that's very pesky to play. Cause they always have like they a
1: always, lot of good contact hitters and they got speed. Oh, they always, they're always pesky. And you know, you could still look up and down that roster and find guys. who are like, Oh yeah, well he's going to, you know, he's going to get his two for fours or three for fours and he's going to do his job. And you know, I think they have pitchers in, in singer and Keller mm-hmm. who have a lot to grow into. Um, I think they have a good guy in Duffy to kind of show them, show them the way, um, you like to think that Mike minor can kind of be that guy too, but uh, you know, McBroom, you know, Merrifield, just fantastic. Uh, Mondesi is a terrific player. Benintendi, I think could be a difference maker and, and your boy, uh, Carlos, Carlos Santana. Santana. He's going to have such a big year there. Yeah. I, I know you guys don't want to hear that, but he is. I mean,
0: I'm still a Carlos Santana fan. I was when he, when he went to Philly for a year where he took that little vacation oh. that we just like pretend to, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> I'll still be a fan of his, even though he's in Kansas City, because I'm just—I'm a Carlos Santana fan. I always liked what he brought to the table, and the—the the fact that his name is Carlos Santana is just too much fun to, you
1: know, not like. <laughs> okay. Really, I mean, I, I just—I just pulled up Kansas City's roster, and you can go right down. Uh, we already said Merrifield, Benintendi, Mondesi, Santana, Sal Perez, Jorge Soler, Hunter Dozier. Michael A. Taylor, and maybe I have Kyle Isbell floating around, but I think he's he's injured. No, he's going to make the roster. Dude, that's it? That's a solid solid one through nine. Yeah, and they got Ben Benintendi this year. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned him earlier, and that's yeah. a you know that's a that's a solidifying piece. What's what's their bullpen like? Ugh, their bullpen. Stalmont. we like him. Yeah. Wade Davis. Greg Grant Holland. Craig Holland. Holland's back. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe he's still doing it.
0: That's great. Good for him. I, but you know they're, they're a team that they're they're picked by most people to finish in, in fourth. But I, oh, I, I think, could I could see them leapfrogging one of Minnesota, Chicago, or Cleveland if they stumble.
1: I think if Keller and Singer can do their thing, that's a 500-ball club, if not a little bit better. You know what I didn't realize?
0: I did not realize Hanser Alberto is on the Royals. If, the, if That is the prototypical Royals player. <laughs> okay? <laughs> he, he's just... he's He screams Kansas City Royal. That's awesome. He, he's a guy that he can hit some home runs, but he's mostly an average hitter. He's mostly going to hit for average. He's just... That is the Whit Merrifield replacement that's going to haunt all of our nightmares. <laughs> oh, you know it.
1: Oh, you absolutely know it. And oh. yeah, Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt, you know he's gonna be up soon. Yeah, oh, yeah. And unbelievable. I know you you know that I'm a card collector. I just got a Bobby Witt autograph back from PSA, the grading company today. Yeah. Oh, they screwed me. They gave me a nine. I could have oh. sworn I was getting a ten. I, oh, I dude, I I could have sworn. So disappointed, but Hey, what's, I, I'm complaining about a, you know, a $1,200 card. So I guess it's not too bad.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at the end, the, <laughs> end the end of the day, not so terrible. <laughs> well, Tim, I'd like to thank you for uh coming on. You know, you can always check your work at the Apple and Simply Amazing
1: Pod. Anything else you would like to plug before we end this here? No, I think it, that you, you hit it on the nose. Um The Apple, it's at the Apple NYM on Twitter. Uh, the Apple N-Y-M dot stubsack, uh, It's easier just to go find us on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, simply amazing is anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm at Timothy R Ryder on Twitter, and um, James, uh, this is a blast every time, man. So yeah. much fun.
0: Always enjoy having you on.